We'll be looking at Deuteronomy 8 in a moment. Just a couple of little uh, items which are of interest perhaps. Pope Benedict has reasserted the universal primacy of the Roman Catholic Church, approving a document released on Tuesday that says Orthodox churches, that's all other churches, were defective and that other Christian denominations were not true churches. Benedict remains committed to ecumenical dialogue. But he goes on to say, however, if such dialogue is to be truly constructive, it must involve not just the mutual openness of the participants, but also fidelity to the identity of the Catholic faith. What he's actually saying is that everyone has to believe what they believe to be true, and that the rest are not true churches. We saw a while, a few weeks ago, that he had revisited another key aspect of Vatican II by reviving the old Latin Mass. Traditional Catholics cheered the move, but we know that this Mass includes comments which defame the Jews, and they haven't rectified that. I was thinking about this, and we must not forget that this one true apostolic church has just agreed to settle hundreds of claims of clergy sex abuse for a payout of $660 million. This brings the total payout for sex abuse by the Roman Catholic Church in America to over $2 billion. The Los Angeles archdiocese will not have to sell will not have to sell its property valued at 6 billion as the settlement will be made in cash part provided by the archdiocese and part by insurance companies earlier this year the San Diego diocese became the fourth one to file for bankruptcy protection against abuse lawsuits claiming bankruptcy in order not to have to pay. A conservative Catholic organization documented this wretched business in the winter of 2002 in their magazine and they say that the overwhelming majority of sexual abuse cases in the Catholic Church, about 90%, involve homosexual priests preying on teenage boys. The major media and the U.S. culture at large went to want to deny or spin the homosexual factor out of the scandal, but they can't. Add to all this, I say here, that the scandal in Ireland and in other countries, and add to this the abuse in other churches, in our islands here even, we wonder why anybody would trust churches anymore. It's a scandal, the whole thing, but there we are. I thought that was interesting, that the, the, the Pope is still declaring that they are the one true church. Right, we'll turn to uh, Deuteronomy chapter 8. Deuteronomy chapter 8. And we're going to read just a few verses there, uh, and 
we read the we read the first first two verses. That's not a very big reading. Moses talking again, still talking to all the children of Israel. All the commandments which I command thee this day shall ye observe to do, that ye may live and multiply, and go in and possess the land which the Lord sware unto your fathers. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no just those two verses you know it's sometimes refreshing to reflect on how God has led us in the past to remember all the way he has led us with thanksgiving and praise for his loving guiding hand in times of trouble for his care in times of danger his faithfulness at all times and as we said earlier we can say his blessings are new every morning great is his faithfulness we shouldn't look back on what we did on our ways our successes our progress we should realize that without God's help and without God's presence in our lives all our attainments would be as Paul said he said they were as, as dumb writing in Philippines said finally my brethren rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you to me indeed is not grievous but for you it is safe beware of dogs beware of evil workers beware of the concision for we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh no confidence in anything, any works that we do though I might also have confidence in the flesh and then he goes on to explain his Jewishness what he's saying here he doesn't want to go back into be under, to become under the law he says if any man thinks that he hath whereof that he might trust in the flesh trust in what he, done, he did I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin and Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law a Pharisee very strict line of Jews concerning zeal persecuting the church touching the righteousness which is in the law blameless but what things were gained to me those I counted loss for Christ Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything he said, all those fleshly things, I count them but loss. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in him, 
not having my own righteousness which is of the law all the things he did he says no not that but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith goes on later on he says in that chapter I count not myself to have apprehended but this one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before I pressed toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus yes he was putting all the things that he did away and was only concentrating on what Christ had done for him interesting and that's why as we look at this chapter we have to think of what God has done for us in the past not what we have done for without him we are nothing you know as we read these as we have been reading these first few chapters of Deuteronomy we are conscious of the desire Moses had that these people would obey the commands of God and he stresses the necessity of keeping the commandment of God to him these commandments which he was telling the people to obey were not optional extras but they were commands which had to be obeyed commands I remember years ago I, I was just thinking about this this morning I, I ordered a Morgan car I always fancied a Morgan and I ordered a Morgan and the car came at some, I can't remember the price it doesn't matter but they had optional extras and I remember the optional extras were the bumpers and I remember the door handles was, were optional extras they always seemed to be very essential things but that you see people Moses didn't want the people to consider these things as just optional extras to their faith they were necessities they were necessities and this being the case when we as Christians read in the New Testament the teachings of Jesus Christ and the teaching of his apostles so many people regard the teachings of the apostles as optional extras but not the essentials the necessary essentials for leading a God honoring Christian life And chapter 8 brings in a most striking way how God as Father chastens his children in the wilderness. And we saw it over those few verses for 40 years. And the reason as to why this was necessary for his children to be chastened is given in verse 16 the reason at the last few words of verse 16 that he might prove thee to, to do thee good in the latter end so that things will work out well for you in the end that's why God was chastening his people they were going to go into the land and when they went into the land he wanted them to be in a state of mind that they would enjoy it God chastened his children in the wilderness all the way 
But these chastenings always had the occupation of the land, their inheritance in view. So that the people would enter the land as a people who were walking according to the ways of their Heavenly Father. That was what he was trying to get them down to, 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 to work with them so that they would honor and obey him. God reminded them here of these 40 years in the wilderness. Why did God lead them, lead them all the way through these 40 years in the wilderness? The whole journey for 40 years had been one of divine leadership. They were led by the God of heaven. The Almighty God led them as no other nation has ever been led. Ever. They were led by a pillar of cloud. By day. And by night as they travelled. By a pillar of fire. No nation has ever been led by God. So spectacularly. Before or since. They were receiving divine education God had given them his laws laws that even to this day have stood the test of time they were receiving divine education the next thing they they were receiving divine chastening God was chastising them as they walked through the desert Many of the surrounding nations, they were worshipping gods. Gods which were false gods. Gods which the people gave, they said, bad luck. Because they had annoyed their gods. But these chosen people were led by a heavenly father who directed and chastened them for their own good in the end. The journey consisted of divine nourishment. We shall look later on about <coughs> the manna, the manna that was given, and the water that God provided in the wilderness. And the walk through the desert for 40 years taught them divine dependency. And we shall see how they had to be totally dependent upon God for everything. When they pitched their camp, they depended on God to tell them. When they broke camp and set out again, God told them when to do it. Nothing was done except God ordered it. When they collected the manna, God directed them when to collect it. When they were not to collect it, God told them when they would not collect it. Everything was done dependent upon God. What a way to live. They lived entirely by faith in God. They had to realize that the wilderness was a hostile place from which they could receive no good thing. And that's a great example for us of what the scripture means to walk by faith. Utter, total dependence upon God for us in this world. Nothing less. That's what God requires of us, to walk by faith. <clears throat> you know, I'm sure at times 
the children of Israel thought that the treatment from their father may have seemed harsh it may to them have uh, seemed to be somewhat pointless maybe at times couldn't see the reason for it it may have been seen to be repetitive God repeated his chastisements but God always had an end sight in view and that was to do thee good at thy latter end always that was God's object of the way he treated his children in the wilderness and so we read that God had to humble them he humbled them to humble thee in verse 2 led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee not a God who was going to demean them and make them grovel in the dirt no but a God who, has, who was a loving father and he had an interest in his children and sought by correction to make them strong in their faith and in dependence upon him and him alone that was the whole object the psalmist had the right idea when he said like as a father pitieth his children so the Lord pitieth them that fear him for he knoweth our frame he remembereth that we are dust oh God knew his people he knew his children he was a heavenly father who pities his children and he only wanted them to be brought into dependence upon him like as a father pitieth his children so the Lord pitieth them that fear him that was God's attitude to his children he only wanted to do what was best for his children and so it is with us he only wants for us what is the best Job could say happy is the man whom God correcteth therefore despise not thou the chastening the chastening of the almighty despise not the chastening of the almighty proverbs my son despise not the chastening of the Lord neither be weary in his correction neither be weary in his correction because it's for our good do we see a parallel a parallel here as to how our God sees us Hebrews 12 if you turn to Hebrews 12 although I'll be using a, a slightly different translation <coughs> Hebrews 12 we have a good example here gives us an insight as to the the discipline of our Heavenly Father Hebrews 12 talking about the people who live by faith in chapter 11 it explains that since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us 
testimony of these people are there for us to see and they were witnesses as to the faithfulness of God and they are all there for us to see and it says therefore since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and so let us run with endurance the race that is set before us fixing our eyes on Jesus the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart and here's the father's discipline for you you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin and you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed you as sons and here's it is my son do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor faint when you are reproved by him for those whom the Lord loves he disciplines and he scourges every son whom he receives it is for discipline that you endure God deals with you as with sons for what son is there whom his father does not discipline but if you are without discipline of which all become partakers then you are illegitimate children and not sons furthermore we had earthly fathers to discipline us and we respected them shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live what he's saying there if a father does not discipline his son he doesn't love him and he said you have forgotten this God just wants us to become like his beloved son that's what the whole object of God working in my life is so that I can become more like Jesus he wants us to consider him to fix our eyes upon Jesus a faithful God is constantly teaching us lessons which are all essential in view of of us entering into our inheritance and enjoying our inheritance in heaven God had our inheritance before him he had it always in mind from the beginning as the inheritance to which he would bring his children Paul speaks of us having obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will and Peter writing he says we have an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that faded not away reserved in heaven for us God's ways in dealing with us always promote the reasons and purposes of his gracious love towards us when God does something he always has in mind our future bliss and happiness God wants us to consider what his son 
endured for us. And so he, he feels obligated to chasten us in order to make us become more like what he knows is best for us and what he wants us to be. James says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. We are to enter into our inheritance and God is moulding us into the image of his son while we go through the wilderness. We're going through a wilderness and God is, as we make that journey, God is trying to mould us to become more like Jesus. God loves us and has provided for us something wonderful. What does it say in Corinthians? I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither enter into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for those that love him. Writing to the Corinthians again, Paul says, For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you a virgin a pure, as a pure virgin he says these converts which he has he is so proud of them he doesn't want them to go astray he doesn't want them to veer off by false teaching but he wants to be able to present them to Christ he's so proud of them he wants them to, to become more like Jesus Paul was concerned for his converts his children how much more is our Heavenly Father concerned about you and me? And so he disciplines us so that we may be conformed to the image of his Son. Paul, when he was writing through the Colossians, he made this very clear. It was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him, in Jesus Christ. And through, through him... To reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. And although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, yet he has now reconciled you in his fleshly body through death, in order to present you before him holy and blameless and beyond reproach that's what Jesus wants to be able to do and again in Jude it says now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy Jesus is going to present us to his father now we know unfortunately that we will never be faultless in this world but that does not mean that we should not constantly strive towards that goal and to live for him. When Christ presents us to his Father, we then will be presented faultless through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And the writer of the Hebrews says, Now the God of priests who brought us up from the dead 
the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant even Jesus Christ our Lord may he equip you in every good thing to do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever God wants to work in my life so that I become more like Jesus Christ and that will enable us to live and so to do that God may feel it necessary to chasten us and to humble us to humble us there's nothing of self in this so we have to get rid of all that is of self to become more like the one who humbled himself and became obedient to death even the death of the cross wherefore Christ also where God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father you know the Israelites were a particularly special people we saw in chapter 6 that God said thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God the Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special a people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth they were particularly special and so when you go home read Deuteronomy chapter 29 and verses 10 to 15 and we see there how special they were because God sets out how special they were and that the covenant that he had made with Abraham and the covenant he had made uh, on, at Sinai he says ye stand this day before me the Lord your God your captains and your tribes and your elders and all the people and I'm making this covenant with you with an oath and he says it's not only for the people standing in front of me today it's for all the nation as will come in the future we could say a lot about that but we, we, we'll just move on quickly and the Jews they were very special I wonder sometimes did they because they were so special in the sight of God did they in some way presume on God because of this because they were so special to him going back to way back to Deuteronomy again and verse 2 because they were so special was that why God had to humble them in order to make them realize their utter dependency upon him and it says he humbled them to prove them to test them and to know what was in their hearts to know what was in their hearts a large part of our wilderness journey is to test whether we are in subjection to God or not 
and to bring home to us much how much there is in our hearts that is not of God not of Christ when our Savior was down here on earth his sole mission was to do his father's will he always totally did his father's commandments he always pleased his father may it be our desire to live as our saviour did in the walk of faith through the power that worketh in us through the Holy Spirit may we also as it says in Peter may we also we who are a chosen race a royal priesthood we're a holy nation we're a people for God's own possession so that we may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvellous light for we once were not a people but now we are the people of God we had not received mercy but Peter says now we have received mercy beloved I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles so that in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers they may because of your good works as they observe them glorify God in the day of visitation we are special we're a chosen people like the Jews were but we are a royal priesthood a holy nation we are special in God's sight may not be much in man's sight but in God's sight you and me saved by the blood of the son of God we're special let us humbly walk in the way of truth ever conscious that it is not anything of me but everything of what Jesus Christ has done and there's a hymn and nearly finished in closing there's a hymn what can wash away my sin nothing but the blood of Jesus what can make me whole again nothing but the blood of Jesus for my pardon this I see nothing but the blood of Jesus for my cleansing this my plea nothing but the blood of Jesus nothing can for sin atone nothing but the blood of Jesus naught of good that I have done nothing but the blood of Jesus this is all my hope and peace nothing but the blood of Jesus this is all my righteousness nothing but the blood of Jesus now by this I'll overcome nothing but the blood of Jesus now by this I'll reach my home nothing but the blood of Jesus glory glory this I sing nothing but the blood of Jesus all my praise for this I bring nothing but the blood of Jesus oh precious is the flow that makes me white as snow no other fount I know nothing but the blood of Jesus and that should humble us as we think that we can do nothing of ourselves 
only way we can do it is through the blood of Jesus Micah 6 verse 8 he hath showed thee O man what is good but what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with thy God